Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So we're going to be talking about how to live an unstoppable life. Acts chapter 5. This portion of scripture is actually dealing with the apostles. The apostles were thrown into prison. An angel released them from prison. They put them in prison, first of all, because they were preaching Jesus in the synagogue. But then they got thrown into prison. Then the angel came of the Lord and released them. And they went back to the temple, started preaching again. And they were in council fixing to kill them. Here's where we're reading right now. Verse 32, Acts 5 and 32. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Ghost, who is given by God to those who obey him. And when they heard this, now this was the apostles preaching the latter part of their message. And when they heard this being the high council, they were furious and decided to kill them. They did not like to hear about Jesus. But one member of the Pharisees named Gamaliel, who was an expert in religious law and respected by all the people, stood up, ordered that the man be sent outside the council chamber for a while, that the men would be put outside the council chamber. So they had them there in council, and they were fixing to judge them, put them to death. But when this one man stands up, and he says, hey, can you put them out for a moment? I need to have a word with you. Verse 35 says, then he said to his colleagues, men of Israel, take care of what you are planning to do to these men. Some time ago, there was a fellow by the name of Thetis who pretended to be someone great. About 400 people, all others, and joined him, and he was killed. And all his followers went their various ways. In other words, they were dispersed. And then the scripture says, after they went their own way, that the whole movement became nothing, came to nothing. Verse 37, after him, at the time of the census, there was Judas of Galilee. He got people to follow him too, in other words, and, and he was killed also too. And all his fellow followers were scattered. So my advice, he says, is to leave these men alone. Let them go. If they are planning and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. It's not going to last. But if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them or stop them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. That's powerful. So that tells me one thing in this portion of Scripture that applies to us because this was the New Testament church under a new covenant is that when God is for you, there is no one else that can be against you. And you can live a life that's unstoppable when you're in the will of God. How many of you believe that? You can live a life that's blessed, favored, and unstoppable. That's what we're going to talk about this Sunday morning. Now, will you all bless the service today? Will you ask God to anoint it and to just get your heart ready? Come on, stretch out your hands and pray for me and pray for the people here. Pray for those that are watching. Lord Jesus, we receive it. 
God, we ask you to let your word be dispersed. God, we know that your will can never be stopped. And people and whoever, God, and, and whatever can never hinder what you have already intended to build and to establish. And Lord, there's nothing, nothing and no weapon formed against us can ever prosper. So bless this word today. Bless it. Let it go out, God, with an unction and love and wisdom and faith and encouragement in Jesus' name. And somebody say amen. If you're ready, say I'm ready. All right, give God one more hand clap. Come on, somebody just tell them thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for being here. Thank you for choosing Riverside Church. For all of our first and second, third time guests, we love you all. Thank you. We pray that you're feeling it, that you know that you're in God's will being here today. So this series right here we're doing is going to be a kind of an introduction to the whole mindset of what we feel God is doing right now. I think everything that has happened so far from the pandemic to, I mean, two hurricanes at once hitting, you know, I think it's going a little bit more up north, is that right? Uh, but still, I mean, all of these things and talks about uh, asteroids now and all kinds of crazy, you're going to hear all kinds of crazy reports. Uh, all I know is, is that this season that we're in has called, caused more people to pray than ever before. Uh, prayer has become so relevant. And it's in those moments that you learn key spiritual uh, principles that you can apply in your life. One of the biggest driving forces we have here in mentalities and values is family. We're, we're big believers in the family, uh, helping the family grow, helping the father become a good dad and helping the mom become a good mommy. I call my mom mommy. People made fun of me because I'm 30-something, 40-something years old and I, when I had my mom and I still call her mommy. But see, that came out of respect. It came out of love that my dad taught us when we were younger, but we learned how to respect and we learned how to honor um, children as well. We believe in seeing your children grow to be uh, children of integrity and character and strength. And, you know, children are, are a gift from God. And But it is God's will for everyone in the family unit to prosper in whatever you do. It is God's will for every single one of us to have momentum, to not just have it, but know how to build it. How many of you like momentum in your life? How many of you business people love momentum? You know what I mean by the big mo? what it's called in the in the so in, in in the marketplace momentum when you have residual income and things that are coming in and things are happening and you ever been in that place spiritually in your life where you found your rhythm found your stride and it's like god is working around every corner of your life building momentum is so important but also how do you keep that momentum and how do you stop anyone or something or anything from hindering what has been started there's a way to do this, and it's all based on the purpose in your life and your understanding who you are and whose you are, who you are and who you belong to. To get that clear understanding, you can read this in this chapter. Acts chapter 5 is broken down from all the way from verses 1 all the way to 42. In this chapter, we're actually seeing the introduction of the church and how God has dealt with the church so far. When you look at verses 
uh, 1 through 11, you're going to look and see the story of Ananias and Sapphira. How God brought judgment on people that were committed to give a portion of the proceeds that they sold from their business or their land or their homes. And there were some that lied and some that kept and held back from their commitment and God dealt with them. And that was the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And th there are just so many things that, that are so, just so shocking in this, in this chapter. Um, we see the verses uh, 12 through 16. You're going to see the apostles, how the power of God was demonstrated through the gospel, how they saw uh, many people healed of many different diseases and deliverances that took place. And then you'll find them being imprisoned. When you look at the rest of it, 17 to 25, you'll, you'll look at the building up of, of this dramatic moment that they're facing the council. And someone gets moved on by God, but an angel releases them from prison. And they were thrown in prison for preaching at the temple. But then when the angel come again, uh, God told them, now go back and, and talk about me. And they did. And they got in trouble again. But I said all that to say this, because when you really read this chapter, the, the, the individual by the name of Gamaliel, he was someone that really recognized the hand of God on their life. There's always going to be somebody that recognizes the hand of God on your life. God will always give you someone that will remember you, just like the butler who, and the baker, when they had the dream, one of those men actually remembered Joseph and brought Joseph to Pharaoh and that brought an open door and a promotion. And then it's like David. When David was in trouble, uh, when, you know, David was in trouble with the lion and the bear. Uh, that battle led to Goliath and showing off his skill and his gifting. But whenever Saul was in trouble, uh, it, was, it was a little maid, a little handmaiden that was in his presence of the king that said, I know a young man that can play an instrument. And it was David again. When you're when you're called to the forefront like Esther and like Ruth to make a difference, it's going to come through people. It's going to happen through relationships. So I believe this not what you know, but it's who you know. Because God will open up doors for you. But this is, called, this is called a covenant. Because you're in a covenant with God, you have special privileges with God. And God can make things happen way easier than you and I. So he was, in the, he was there, and he defended Gamaliel. Now we're back to the book of Acts. In that fifth chapter, he defends the apostles. Through experience, he said, there have been men prior to them that have come, and their movement were, you know, they had great movements, but they didn't last. It wasn't of God. But if they're in the will of God, and they're doing what God said to do, if you're not careful and you come against them, you'll find yourself even fighting against God. And that, I understand it to be a losing battle. How many of you would agree with that? That's a losing battle. You don't ever want to be on the side opposing God. And that's how religion can get you on the opposing side if you're not careful. Because some of these religious men, they thought they were right. They've never seen it done like this before. But many times God will send someone to give clarity and understanding and, and in your life and speak on your behalf. Because here's what I know. When you're doing what God wants you to do, no matter who your haters are, critics are, or people that don't agree with you, God is going to validate you in his good timing. 
God will also give you a confirmation in your life that you are on the right track. So it's not important to please people more than it is important to please God. Somebody say amen. If you're a God pleaser, just say, I am a God pleaser. I'm a God pleaser. Religious leaders put him in jail. They understood the possibilities of them, uh, you know, just making an impact on the community. And they were frustrated. They were anger, angered, but they were blinded by the fact that God was with them. But thank God he sent somebody on their behalf. So there's, there's a key. They couldn't be stopped until God said they were done. Then it was done. Like Jesus, Jesus could not be stopped. They tried to come before his time at Calvary, but he never allowed them to. The only reason why they got him is because they let, he let them get him. He laid his own life down. These men in the fifth chapter of Acts learned that unstoppable lifestyle from someone who had lived it in front of them, and that was Jesus himself. So the only point I'm going to give you today is this, along with eight scriptures. I'm going to give you one point, and that's this. If Jesus was unstoppable, so are you. If Jesus was unstoppable, so are you. Say, I am unstoppable. Say it. I'm unstoppable. There's a reason why you're unstoppable. We have to acknowledge, we have to recognize that Christ lives inside of us to understand that. Because if Jesus was unstoppable, then those apostles would carry that same gifting and influence and authority and miracle-working power in their lives. And yes, we do believe in miracles. We do believe in healing. If it's in the Bible, it is for us, and it's God's graced us with something, then we want to go after it with all of our heart. How many of you are hungry for him and want to see God move in your life? I mean, we all want to see God move, but you see, we don't want to move. And God doesn't move until we move. God doesn't do anything until we take the first step. If you only have to take one step, God, if you only can take one step, God will take all the rest of them to get to your purpose and help you get there. All you got to do is try. They weren't scared to step out in public. They weren't afraid of people, but they learned it from Jesus. They learned it from him, and they understood this. Listen to what the apostle Paul wrote to the Romans in, Acts, in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. He said, but if the, same, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal, to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Did you catch that? What I just read you said that because Jesus rose up out of the grave, so will you. Somebody say unstoppable. That's what you have, life inside of you, and you got your ticket to bypass death. You're going to go one of these days. We're all, listen, we're all getting old. Whether he come back or we grow old, either way, we got the ticket. It's paid for. We're on our way there. Somebody shout amen. Does anybody believe in heaven in this place? 
So all I'm saying to you is you have to sometimes examine yourself, to reassure yourself, to know who you are. If you want to live an unstoppable life, you got to recognize that you have an unstoppable Savior. 2 Corinthians 13 says, examine yourselves as to whether or not you're in the faith. That means you got to stop and check yourself every once in a while. You have to stop and, and, and get rid of depression and negativity and things that will try to hinder you and remind yourself that you're a child of God and you've been bought by the blood and you're, you're favorable to him. You're, you're, one of, you're the apple of his eye. But you got to examine yourself whether or not you're in the faith. Test yourself. Test yourself. I can get off on that, but I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm going to. There, there is a lot of testing going on right now for, for, for people's health and a lot of testing for the virus. And, and then you hear all kinds of different reports. Of some are false, some are true, some are that. Isn't that just like the devil to cause some kind of confusion? And that's what he likes to do. I'm not standing on either side of the aisle. I don't believe in being Republican or Democrat. I really believe in being kingdom-minded and being a citizen of God's kingdom more than anything else. So I'm not taking sides. I don't believe pastors ought to take sides like that. We stand for Jesus, and I really believe that we just need to live the life. But here's what I'm saying to you. There are so many people that are trying to examine themselves and test themselves where they're not listening to the right voices, and they disqualify themselves before they can achieve anything. You've set your value so low when the blood of Jesus automatically has set you higher than that. Your value in his eyes is higher than what you can perceive. There is nothing that should ever tell you you're not worthy, you're not good enough in your life and stop you from moving forward and succeeding in life and letting God use you and letting God bless you and waiting for the perfect person for God to send to you. I'm telling you, God has somebody for you. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. God has a business for you. God has an education for you. God's plans are higher than yours. You can sketch it out all day long. You can come up with a five-year or ten-year plan. But after it's all said and done, if you stay in God's presence, you'll find out more than likely he's got another plan for you. So why start over and you can, just, why you can begin smarter and wiser? Coming to God, understanding who he is, will help you. In fact, he said he will send a helper. He said he would give us help. John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. He will abide with me forever. Say it, personalize it. Say it with me. Jesus sent me a helper, and he's always with me, always with me. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He's closer than you think, folks. He's closer than you think, and he'll lead you and guide you. There are many more scriptures that we can give you to validate that Christ is in you. But it's really, do you have to have a personal revelation, 
understanding, experience that will give that. Most God didn't just go to Calvary and take thorns on his head and brow just so you can have your mind changed. God didn't just go to save your mind. God went and Calvary saved your body, soul, and mind, and spirit all together, all of you. One hundred and ten percent of you. That's you and your tithing, but that's another sermon. God went to save you from really ourselves. Because really, most of the time, we're not really fighting the devil. We're fighting ourselves, right? Feelings and things that are out of kelter and, and standards that somebody else would put up that we feel like we have to measure ourselves by. But can I encourage you and tell every single one of you that there is no one else to compare to? If you're going to compare yourself to anybody, compare yourself to Jesus who went to the cross, who loves you, cares about you, and said that you're going to do great things in your life. And if I'm with you, nobody else can be against you. Somebody shout amen. amen. Say, if God is for me, who can be against me? That's a fact. You become conscience. When you start talking like that, you become conscience of Jesus being inside of you. And you'll start talking like him. And you'll start acting like him. And you'll get a different perspective like him. And you'll look at a problem and see that it's nothing more than an opportunity. I'm talking to Esther's today. I'm talking to Ruth's. I'm talking to David's. I'm talking to some Moses is here. I'm, I'm talking to people who have potential like Joshua. People who didn't feel their self-worth, but after God saved them, God turned their life around like Peter and gave them another chance and helped them preach the gospel, not to a few, but thousands, and helped turn the world upside down. There is absolutely nobody that God can't use, but God wants to use every single one of us here today and help you realize that one with God is majority and you don't need anybody else except him. And he'll connect you to the right people you need to be connected to. Period. Life moves at the speed of relationships. Some people think that the gifts that God gives you is your validation to be right with God. There, there's, a, there's really a mindset that we have in the church that's wrong that says unless you have a gift, then you're not right with God. I don't find that in the scripture anywhere. I thank God for the anointing. I thank God for gifts that we do have. I believe in every nine gifts of the Spirit. I believe in, in every attribute and miracle that God wants to do. But that does not validate your salvation. Those gifts, whatever it might be, public speaking even, Spoken gifts, prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the gift of faith, whatever it might be, does not validate anything else except that there is a God and he loves you. Here's the point. We look to God for the blessing instead of looking to him as the blesser. We look for the hand of God and never look for the heart of God. Some people 
will only live for God if God blesses them. Well, number one, he's already done such a great thing at Calvary that I don't think our, we can wrap our mind around it. And that is a decision that we have to make on a daily basis to walk with him. And I can show you in the scripture and tell you that it's not by the gifts, but it's by a relationship. An unstoppable life is based on a strong relationship with God. See, you're, you're, you're destined to go to heaven and nothing can stop you from going there. The gifts aren't going to get you there. Although we believe in the gifts. We love the gifts. How many of you love to see God do something great and just love to see people healed? And it happens. I pray that it happens more. But see, it's not that. That's not the answer. In fact, let me give you the scripture. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and 23. He said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will what? Oh, you don't want to read it too scary? Only those who do the will of my Father in heaven will what? Enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Here are the gifts. We cast out the spirit. There's the authority in your name. We perform many. You notice they say performed. Church is not a performance. It is a lifestyle of worship through relationship. Now, I'm not speaking in the sense of I'm not. I'm not talking against the gifts because we operate in them. We see God move. We see God do miracles. We love it. But that's just a byproduct of a relationship with God. But let me help you understand something. He said, perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never, what? Knew you. I never knew you. See, they knew the hand of God but not the heart of God. Knowing him is the key to longevity, to eternal life. It's based on relationship, not talent. I, I thank God for people who make a contribution to the church through time, talent, or treasure. That's how we call it. There are three ways to give, through time, through your serving, and through your donation to the kingdom, to the church. And one of those, there's always someone who's blessed with all three. We call them a triple threat to the devil, but there's always someone who excels in one area. But in God's eyes, I believe they're all equal. But what you learn right here is that it's really based on relationship. Do you know him? You know, even John the Baptist, when he was fixing to be uh, killed, because he called out Herod for what he, he called out his sin, and, and even John the Baptist at one moment, got a little frazzled, a little confused about his calling, who he was. And so he sent his disciples to Jesus, and he said, are you the one, or should we look for another? And prior to that, John the Baptist even looked at Jesus before he baptized him, and he was his cousin. He, they were related. And he looked at him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I'm not even worthy to take off his chanclas. That's the Mexican translation. 
But there is a time in everyone's life where trouble and pressure will cause you to doubt. And Jesus looked at the disciples of John the Baptist, and he said, Go tell John, blind eyes are open, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. You didn't miss it, John. That gift, the gifts, is what validated the relationship Jesus had. See, Jesus lived an unstoppable life, but you have to look at his life and what was it that caused him to do this. There was only one assignment he had when he lived on this world, in this world, and that was to do the will of his Father. Luke chapter 5, verse 16 says this. I'm almost done, folks. But Jesus often, what? Withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Many times, this is what the apostles saw. They saw Jesus going away, spending time with the Father. Why? Here's why. Later on in that same chapter, verse 30 of John chapter 5, Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, someone say not my will, but the will of the Father which sent me. So he's making a confession and he's saying, I'm not here to do what I want to do. I'm here to do what he wants to do. My whole life is encumbered, it's it's surrounded and it's, it's comprised of doing the will of God in my life. Oh, let, let me tell you something really quick. In my family, my family, I'm just gonna give I'm gonna put my life out there. When we when my wife and I first were married, I, I, I moved to San Antonio, Texas. I wanted to I wanted to open up a restaurant. That was my dream. I wanted to have restaurants. And I told my wife, I said, I'm gonna go out. We didn't have a I didn't have a job. I, I didn't know what to do, where to start. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. So I told her, I'm going to find a five-star restaurant. I'm going to find a good one, and I'm going to become a waiter, and I'm going to learn how to manage it, and I'm going to open up a restaurant, and we're going to get learn it, and we're going to get some money, and we're going to open one up. So 75% of that came to pass. I found a restaurant in Texas Monthly, went to them, became a waiter, six months, became a manager, Another six months, another couple of months, helped them open up a restaurant. It was all coming to pass, but right there in that moment, I have a brother who God radically saved. He was calling me, talking to me about God all the time, praying with me. Sometimes I would think, oh, God, here we go again. But he would call me, and I'd, I'd let it go, and i listen to the phone early in the morning. <laughs> Amen. 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 And all of a sudden, I'll I'll never forget the day, sweetheart, when I was ironing, or you were ironing. Yeah, I walked up to you while you were ironing. That's what it was. And I said to you, in my mind I was doing it, but you were really doing it, so... 
I said, God wants to move our family back to Victoria to get us closer to God, to get us closer to him and bring the family together. And I had just opened up a restaurant. I had just established myself. I was committed. Then when I said that statement, all hell broke loose. Now, it wasn't cussing. It's in the Bible. It wasn't heaven, because if it was heaven, I'd be telling you a good testimony right now. But the devil came at us from so many different ways. I was supposed to be back in Victoria. And when I moved back here, I didn't know what to do, how to do it. But God provided all the needs. I had a plan. I had a plan. I wanted to do something. And the plan was working out. It was almost like the Tower of Babel. When they were building up and Nimrod was building the Tower of Babel, the Lord said, look, the people have one mind to work together. If no one stops them, they're going to fulfill it, and it's going to happen. Well, that wasn't God's will. God had asked every one of them to disperse and fill the earth. They didn't want to. They wanted to stay in one place, build a kingdom, and do something. That was me, and that was some of you. But aren't you glad that one day God stepped into your life and said, no, 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 no. That's not, this sounds like a great plan. That's not the plan I have for you. I have something bigger. I have something better. I have something more meaningful, something that's going to change not just your life, but something that's going to change the life of every person that you know. I should have got more hand claps for that. If I had a dollar, I'd give myself an offering right now. I'm telling you right now. That's what it boils down to. Where can God place you in life where you're the most influential, where you have a stronger influence to see some people get saved and come to God? Because at the end of our life, I'm going to tell every single person, nothing else is going to matter. Nothing else is going to matter. The only thing we need to be concerned about is do we know him? Do we understand him? Were we in his will? Have I been working hard this long just to wear myself out? Or will I work until God says, come up hither and well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord in your life. How many of you want to hear that? That's what I want to hear. Well done. Somebody say, well done. Well done. Went to a restaurant last night, ordered medium rare. They gave it to me. Well done. I turned it back. Anyhow, you see, God has a saying. God has a say-so. Jesus said, I can't do anything by myself. Listen, Matthew chapter 12, and here's the last scripture I'm giving you. Matthew chapter 12. Come on, Haley. Verse 50. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother, sister, and mother. Somebody say, we are family. We are family. We're part of the family of God. I don't know why the lights went down low. Turn them back on again, all right? Wake up back there. They'll go down in a minute. See, God will back up someone who is backing him up. It's not about God getting into our plan. That's what we do. How many of you will agree with this? How many of you have ever done this? Said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I feel like I need to do. Because it's like in your heart and you feel good about it and you're so driven and you want to do it. Then, then once you start it, then you start praying, oh, God, bless it. Come on. Hold on a second. 
you can't do it, then ask, expect God to step into your plan. Here's an easier way. Love on God, step into his plan, and wait for him to open the door for you. That way you'll know it's God's will and not your own. It may take a little bit longer based on how well you are listening. The, the quicker you can give your attention to God, give him your whole heart, not just one part of you, but all three parts to you, body, soul, and spirit, and say, God, you're all, I'm all yours. The faster you'll find God stepping and leading you in your life towards his perfect will for your life. And it will always be tied to seeing other people's lives change, always. That's how life works. Thank you, sweetheart. There are so many things to be said about life, how it pertains to the kingdom. We don't have the time today. But I promise you, when you put God's purpose first, and whatever you do, tie it to him, you'll find that you'll become unstoppable. See, this is what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah had a burden. He chose to take on the burden of God's people. And he was under a pagan king who didn't believe like he did, but he was friends with him because he was the cupbearer. A cupbearer, folks, that means that a man who would bring the king his food and drink, that, that, this was his job, to bring it to the king. This guy, it doesn't seem like a big responsibility, but he had a burden. And God gave him favor with the king. And so he blessed him one day when he saw him down in his countenance. And he said, you want to go build the walls? And I'm paraphrasing. He said, okay, I'm going to give you letters for every region. And when you come through a region, you show the letter that has my signet on it. And whenever they see that I've given you permission and I've asked them to supply you with the needs, you're going to have enough material to build the walls of your city. It, but it wasn't until Nehemiah said, if no one else would do it, I will. And said, and he wasn't a builder, guys. He was a cupbearer. He wasn't a builder. But he went from waiting tables, one table really, waiting one table to being the general contractor to building the walls of Jerusalem just by saying, use me, Lord, here I am. And all the resources, catch this now, here's the point. All the resources he needed was supplied to him as long as it was God's purpose and God's will. Nothing. He lacked for nothing. That's why everything I do in my businesses that I own, it all belongs to God. My everything. My talent, my time that I've got, I give it to God. I was doing it way before I became a pastor way before then it was a lifestyle but if you'll live that kind of life and put God first and bring the family together you see to every dad here every young dad every every father every husband you're responsible for leading the family to come to church and if you'll take the lead and you'll begin to say here I am God change me he'll begin to bless the rest of your family and you'll open up the gates of heaven over your family's life and God will use you to start a revival. We need a revival in our home. We need a revival in our city. We, we need God to prove himself. You see, Meshebepheth was the guy who, 
who, who, wasn't, who wasn't afraid to let the Ark of the Covenant come into his house when, 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 when God struck Uzzah. When they carried the Ark on the ox cart and it fell, someone reached out and tried to touch it wrong and do it wrong and it killed them. They were violating God's principles, God's law at that moment. They didn't know what to do with the ark because the ark was the key for Israel winning all the battles and they were losing and they weren't living good and they didn't have the blessings of God so they were scared to touch it because they didn't do it right. See, religion will cause you to do and approach God your way. God didn't tell them put it on an ox cart and bring it into town. God told them, hey, I put rings on there for you to put a staff through and to put it on the shoulders of the priest. How many of you know the story? And now you carry it into the kingdom. But until they figured that out, it stayed in the guy's house by the name of Meshibbeth. Obedidim. Meshibbeth was the one who sat at the table with King Saul and some Saul's family. Obedidim, excuse me. Obedidim in his house was blessed by God. The scripture says that he. His neighbors and everyone around him were seeing the hand of God move because he was the only one that had the guts to say, use me, God, use me. I wonder if there's anybody here today that would stand to their feet and say, use me, Jesus. Help, I, I want to help build the church. I, wanna, I want you to move in my family. I want to see my whole family saved. I want to live a life that's unstoppable. I want to live a life that has meaning. I want to live a life that now you can turn the lights down. I, I want to live a life that has purpose. If that's you, I want you to lift your hands. If you've not given your life to Jesus, I want you to do that right now as well by simply saying, Father, forgive me of my sins. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior right now. Now your time to just surrender to him. For every family, I want, if you will, I want husbands and wives to hold hands. I want you to hold hands with your children if you have them here. I want you to agree with them. I want you to simply make a declaration over your family and say, we're going to get in the will of God. Here's the conclusion of today's message. I'm going to read it to you, and I want you to understand this right here. Heaven's resources are open to us when we lead, love, and show people to Jesus. Make that your prayer right now. Make that your prayer and say, Lord, use our family to lead others to you. Use our family to save our, our, our children, God, and our, 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 our relatives, Father. Use us to see our other family members saved and friends saved. And God, it's about your kingdom. It's about your people. It's about Jesus. And Lord, just begin to use us. Whatever resources we've got, whatever talents we have, whatever time we have, God, if we don't have time, make time. Whatever there is, Father, we want you to use us today. We want to be a blessed home. We want to be a blessed people. We want to be blessed by you because, Father, not only is the blessings for us, but the blessing is for us to bless others. But, Lord, more than that, we want to have an experience with the blesser. We want you to be in our hearts, and we want you to move, and we want you to have your way. In Jesus' name today, in Jesus' name right now, touch, dear God, and bless your people. Somebody lift your voice to him right now and say, use me, Lord. Come on. Say it, use me, God. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. 
For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.